Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, I'm Dolly Avenue, and I am a musician, singer, and songwriter. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? I know everyone that comes on here is going to have a hard time answering that question right away. But I think for me, it's really like just being hardworking and taking something like a tragedy or a circumstance and bringing blessings and making it fruitful. I think being Vietnamese is, you know, of course, we have the history with the war and our ancestors and being an immigrant moving to um, to America to start a new life. There's a lot of that history um, in my blood and in my bones. And I just think like making lemonade out of lemons. Yeah, I think that there's a, a lot of um, tragedy and, and trauma. It sounds like as I was researching and reading about your life, you had uh, somewhere read 29 addresses uh, that you shared with you and your brother, sat and did this really sad exercise as I was reading it with your brother and you had 29 addresses before you settled uh, into LA. Can you tell me a bit about why you lived in so many places? I lived in over 29 different houses and I finally landed where I live now. So it's officially 30 um, in Los Angeles. So we came from a pretty impoverished background. My mother and my father were immigrants from Vietnam. Their own story is long and winded, but they landed and met in Missouri. And, you know, it's a lot of... Uh, I'm not sure how to say it without being blunt, right? Like my father had a lot of trauma and abuse with drugs and that kind of followed us trying to find a job, trying to like keep it all together. Um, and with a mother that loved him so much and wanted to also take care of her kids, we were, she was just trying to find work. So although there's that sad side of it, it's almost like I, when I was doing this exercise with my brother, it was almost more of like a, uh, like excitement of like, wow, look at how much we've been through and look at where we are now and how we took that and saw where we landed. And of course it's LA and you've probably read from that post is just becoming an artist and a musician and kind of putting on rose colored glasses. Cause when you're younger and you go through these things, you're not thinking from an adult perspective, like, how do I pay the bills? How do I take care of my kids? You're thinking, oh, new place, new school, new house, new new environment. So that's kind of uh, a short context of story. Um, but of course, as you can see, like I came out of that generational cycle in a sense. And I think you can kind of only do that with optimism. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How, how much younger is your brother? My brother is 22, so he's like four years younger than me. Yeah, I have a, 
an older uh my older child is a girl and she has uh-huh. a younger brother so is it just the two of you no we have a lot of siblings i have three other older siblings and then um in my story my my dad moved on with a different family and has more children but it's five of us in all now where uh, were you born and predominantly where did you grow up and how was your childhood? Yeah, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, it was very rare to find Asian Americans in my school. It was different. Um, I talk about this a lot too in my album and when I share my story, but it was a strange identity crisis because here I am Asian American, but I grew up in like a country folk, small town feel, mostly white Americans or black Americans. And, you know, trying to figure out, am I white enough or am I minority, you know? And it's funny because although I lived in Kansas City, we moved different places like California, different areas in Missouri, Texas. I, when I moved to OC briefly, it was a culture shock to see so many Asians which is kind of like a funny dichotomy because that should be what I gravitate towards too. So yeah, the growing up was, it was, I think it was just confusing, right? Cause you're, you're trying to be a good student. You have all these ideals, but you also want to be an artist. You have these like plans and you see on TV, like all oh, these people like, are pursuing their dreams, but I live in Missouri. Um, and so I found the internet and I just, kind of created my, my, I nurtured my creativity from the internet being like, okay, well, look at what they're doing, even though they're in like on, like they don't have enough stuff, but they can use a webcam and to sing and stuff on the internet. So I, I kind of took that as like, okay, I don't need to necessarily be over there, but I want to be there. Now that you're here looking back on your childhood, uh, it reminds me of like, I think it's Doja Cat, right? Who sort of came up. Oh. I think Doja Cat was like, did everything. I think it was Doja Cat. She did everything on the internet and like. Ah, uh, virtually. Virtually. Mm-hmm. And then she got picked up and discovered. Um, and Justin Bieber, you can argue sort of like that same trajectory. You're in it as a child and you look back. Um, why did you think that coming to a big city, I mean, this is an obvious question, but I want to hear what you're thinking about it. What, what, did, what did you think a big city would offer you? Sure, I think it's a great question. I think everyone feels like the grass is always greener. For me, it gave, it looked like opportunity. You know, where, in Missouri, where I was from, Sykeston, Missouri, Sedalia, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I mean, Kansas City is a little bit more of a bigger city, but there wasn't a lot of entertainment opportunities to showcase that or places to sing, in my opinion, at the time, especially people that look like us, right? And at that time, wow, Spotify didn't really exist. Uh, All these waves of like representation didn't exist. So I just felt like, okay, everybody lives over there. I need to be over there. But I know I agree with you with the virtual aspect of it. It's, It's also incredibly like, exciting at the time too being like okay well doja cat she just put some music on soundcloud and uploaded it justin bieber was living in canada and was just singing so yeah it's it's interesting because there's so much opportunity without needing to be there but at the same time um 
you know, you kind of always just want to hope to be there. It's kind of like you don't need to be in a movie to be famous, but you but you can also do it on TikTok and become an influencer. So many different ways to get to where you need to go. Yeah, and that's a relatively new thing. I think when uh, you look back 10, 20 years from now and think about the idea of like representation, we need representation. We need, I think that by the time 10 years into this, I think what we're going to think about with representation is if we're still having to talk about it, then we still need it. But if we don't need mm -hmm. to talk about it anymore, we have made our set, we've made it to saturation where we're now part of the mainstream. And I think that's a very important uh, mark to hit, right? Yeah, I, I love what you just said about that. I think that is what we kind of strive with this album process as well was, okay, I I am Asian American and I have my base and my foundation as a Vietnamese American artist. And then my man, manager will talk back and forth a lot being like, okay, well, we want to nurture that foundation, but we also don't want to be like pigeonholed at the same time. Yeah. So while I, I, at the end of the day, you just want to make really good work and be recognized just by doing really good work. So, yeah. And I don't know if that's an, I wonder if that's because we're minorities, you know, like that's a conversation that a lot of us tend to have is like, well, you know, most people that aren't represented, like, you know, obviously white Americans, like they, they don't need to be called the white actor, you know, they just, they're just talented. So I think that is what I, I hope to strive for is great. Look, that's my identity, but she's making good music. She's making great videos. She's making great content and she's just talented. Yeah. Now I do want to go back to that, the 29 addresses because um, that's a lot of moving around, right? Like, yeah. I know you you expressed that your your father was a uh, you know into drugs, but why was there so much moving around? And you know how did that how did that really play out psychologically? Do you think in in your the back of your mind today? Yeah, thank you for yeah. It's interesting. I've never actually shared this out loud, so it's like wow, these are some interesting questions I have to like process a little bit. Well, you know, substance abuse is a big problem of course, for our family at that time. And I think because of that and the nature of discipline for my father, it was like, he couldn't really sustain a job, you know? So he would get a job and it wouldn't be sustainable. So then he'd quit or he'd get fired. And then it was like, okay, on to the next, because, you know, we're also needing, you have kids to take care of. So it's kind of that cycle. It's like, okay, well, look, there's a posting on Craigslist or a news ad. And, you know, my parents were blue collar, like middle, middle class working at nail salons, you know, it's like, there's only so much skill level for them and opportunity. So whatever the ad was, it was like, we're, we got to go there. If that's in the middle of Sedalia, Missouri, let's pack up, let's go. So yeah, psychologically, as an adult, like you yeah, I have the flexibility and adaptability, mm. right, as a musician and artist, which is like, a blessing right because i can i can handle any situation and who i'm around but at the same time there's the psychological effect of you know where is home like i every year it's like a new family a new friends new school it's like starting over all the time and imagine starting over 29 yeah. times and just feeling like 
I almost had it. Like I'm building my community and then I got to, I got to start over. It's really, it's really challenging for sure. Does that um, affect sort of the way you approach your workflow or your, your career where you're like, look, there was a lot of instability growing up, but I'm not going to have that. I want more stability and I'm going to work hard for that. Or it doesn't even really affect you. Well, I think it's funny that you say stability because being an artist is like the yeah. opposite of that, you know? I think maybe that's why being an artist is almost uh, comforting because, and you know, we can get into it later too. Like I, the first, before I became a musician, I was a photographer and it was almost like moving around, right? I don't have to take only music pictures. I can take wedding. I can take this and that. And it's almost like always ever changing and different people. and. I was used to that. Whereas, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with the the traditional hourly job, you know? So yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm used to uncertainty more than stagnant stability. Yeah. Makes sense. Which is not I a great thing either. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it allows you to really <laughs> jump into being an artist, especially out here in LA where stability is a very it's a very difficult thing to to like if you come from a stable family and everything's stable and you took vocal lessons and everything was sort of like you went to contests and you just went to different uh routine things to get to where you are then being out here without any stability that might be a hard thing for for artists yeah i would say like in some ways, right? Like to pick up and move to a big yeah. city and just figure it out, that takes a lot of uh, courage and risk and uncertainty. So it definitely helped in, um, my, my upbringing. How and why did you get into photography? Oh, wow. So because I moved so much, I was always making new friends. And it was a sad part of it too but like I would use my camera to document these people that I, I made friends with so as memories so every place I would go I would document it I'll take pictures of them but also the environment like in Missouri at the time where we were at there was really not much to do like you can go to the movies you can go bowling and you know but the winters were bad so the thing that we did was explore go out into the field and take pictures and model and have fun and like kind of like uh, run away and trespass in a sense. And I picked it up and uh, I, I decided like, okay, this is interesting. Like th these are romanticized pictures of these beautiful moments of my childhood. And also at the same time, I'm documenting my friends. So that's kind of how it really began. How it turned into like a craft was interesting because I, I went to, I eventually land in high school in Kansas City, Missouri. I stayed there a little longer than most, most other years. And I did everything artistic, but I didn't realize I was artistic. I mm. love like theater. I did choir. I did all these things. And I was just so involved in that. But in my head, I was still small town. I was like, okay, college is coming up. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I don't really know what I like and what is stable. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll do business or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I told my friends this and they just looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, you're the most creative person. Why don't you consider art school? And I need to find her to tell her thank you because 
she said go to art school and then I my world opened up I was like oh that's interesting so I found an art school in Chicago I applied and I got I got in and I liked music at the time I I just didn't know that it was something that I was right because I had a pretty bad stage fright growing up so I was like okay film photo like I like this let's try it and I went to film school basically from there like literally film school like to how to make movies yeah like to do post-production editing it was an art school known for that and yeah I did the whole school system but then again you know it's interesting because my uh my uncertainty in my life and instability kind of showed in my majors <laughs> like I couldn't stick to a major. I was like, ah, I like film, but I like to sing. So maybe I'll do a singing major. Then I switch into a photo minor. And thankfully the school had a multidisciplinary wow. um, degree, which basically put it all together. And I graduated with like internet mobile media as my degree. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing, it's, right? I, yeah, it's, a, it's crazy how like, if you're open to it, life will kind of, offer you an alternative yeah that yeah. i mean but that's a very modern sort of that's a modern thing right like to have a to come out of college with that major is mm. god how how awesome that would it serve an artist to come out to la to have that kind of a background and and training and all those things yeah yeah i i really did find my community right like I, I moved several different places and I just didn't feel like I, I belonged. And then the art community came through with school and that's where I found my, like my people, my place, your tribe, my yeah. tribe. Yeah. So yeah, art school definitely helped me with that. Now this whole thing about stage fright, you still have it, right? <laughs> uh, it was, but when I had it, it was so embarrassing and cringe like if you ever saw me perform like my head would be down i'd shake i couldn't even look at anybody uh thankfully i grew out of it it was forceful for myself i was like i can't be a singer and like i can't i have to I have to practice how, how did you get out of it um i think i just said like you either do it or you are afraid of it and you, you like, 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 you know, like, I, I got this far, and I've done these things, and I'm not gonna just like put myself in a place where I can't pursue something I love because of fear or basically fear. And so, it was more like I'm just, I was just kicking myself. I was like, if I want to do this, I just gotta do it. Yeah, because here's what here's what happens as I think as a singer, when you're at home or you're singing somewhere where you are comfortable with you kill it you know you got it right oh yeah you're confident in the you're shower confident. yeah wherever right in the car or you go in a recording studio and you're around people that are very comfortable and you just you put it out there and you kill it and then there's that other side of it now you got to do it in front of people mm. i think that doing it in front of people is the hard part is the part that you have to examine and go through your brain and go you know if i want this i know i have it privately but then publicly, right? You got to like work through that. Is this a personal story for yourself too? Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. I I went to uh, music school. Um, wow. After, after USC, uh, I wanted to become a singer as well for a few years, and I pursued it uh, hard. I pursued it really hard. Um, yeah. So I I know it very well that sort of that dilemma. And I used to drink like probably half a liter of vodka whenever I had to <sighs> go up on stage. So now I understand why like rock stars and all these people have to medicate uh, with whatever. And, you know, if you don't talk to yourself the way you did, the way you, you know, how you explained it, then you're going to have to medicate because you don't, you cheat, right? You don't like work on the muscle. You know, you worked on the muscle. It sounded like it didn't sound like you use, I was looking for something like, oh, I, <laughs> I pop a, you know, Vicodin in and it comes in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. I would medicate if it was if it worked you know what i mean like <laughs> alcohol i'm a lightweight there's i'm gonna be belligerent i can't sing with that mm. weed i have natural anxiety but i'm also a lightweight again so you know when you smoke weed you're just like you're gone you freeze yeah yeah so how am i gonna sing so <clears throat> lavender i've tried i tried everything wow. and then i just was like i can't i'm just not like that's not working for me and only recently, I'm still figuring it out, but I found psychologically what worked at least was instead of being like, I'm nervous right now, or people will be like, are you nervous? Which makes me more nervous, which is like, don't ask me if I'm nervous before performance it is like, oh, my body's excited, you know, and somebody told me that and it has worked recently. So I'm like, okay, let me just let's trial and error and see if that continues to work because it's a calming psychological thing for me now wow that's awesome that you have this sort of natural way to deal with it i i could never get for five years i couldn't get out of it and try I, that I, yeah <laughs> oh, i'm i'm past the the singing uh journey but um that the real thing that really uh inhibited me from um really pursuing it was my memory I just never was really gifted with a good memory. And as a singer, you know, you need to remember your lyrics. You need to remember the melody. You need to remember the, the rhythm. And those are all very important things. I mean, I, I couldn't keep time many times because, you know, on some, some songs, yeah, on some songs, it was just like I'd fall out of the pocket, right? So, so when I see like singers and I study what, good singers are about it's this is natural innate ability where they just got it and all of it comes together right mm -hmm. and when all of it comes together i could see it because i kind of went through that and it's fun to talk about and dissect but i myself i knew the memory part was the hardest part for me to get over and i couldn't remember my lyrics i could and maybe that had to do with so much vodka you know there was a lot or of vodka. nerves or... nerves yeah a lot of nerves that, yeah that's interesting <clears throat> Yeah, it's really interesting what your body does without yeah. you asking it. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm confident behind the scenes. I sing well, and then it just th goes thrown out the window. Totally. It's like fighters. I think like MMA fighters where they train and they know they can beat people up like on, you know, in private and, and they train hard. And then you go out on the day of the fight and you choke. Man. Yeah, it takes a lot of uh, mental work, right? I mean, yeah. everything, just being an artist and just trying to perform is kind of like a, a psychological, it's a, it's a, it is psychological, it's fear, right? It's like people are watching you, people are judging you, 
whether you're a musician or not. And just trying to break that is, it takes some, it takes time. Now, it sounded like you didn't get um, professional music training growing up, or uh, you weren't exposed to much of it? Yeah, I mean, I did like the school stuff, like choir and you know, my parents wanted me to learn piano very young, but I kind of was a little bit scatterbrained, so I couldn't really fulfill it. So no, I didn't have proper music training at all. I, everything was YouTube for me. Wow. I actually remember I got a keyboard because I, you know, I, I grew up a little bit. I was like more like 12, 14. I was like, man, I wish I continued my five-year-old yeah. piano lessons. I would be like Beethoven now. And I, you know, I like singing, I like writing music at the time. And I was like watching Vanessa Carlton play a thousand miles live, which is an iconic song. It's also kind of people take it like as a meme, but I loved her. She was like inspirational to me because oh, I was like, oh, this woman that just plays piano and sings all her songs. And I remember just sitting there being like, and just going back and forth until I just got it. Got it. And I think that's really the beginning of writing my own music was like okay let me use these chords and like play around until i get it from my head so wait are you um are you there now <clears throat> where you can sit at the piano and bang out a couple chords and then write uh with it yeah i did that with the guitar as well and you know i i would consider myself a producer in the studio like i'll say exactly what i hear but I can't necessarily like technically do it on logic or whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's a really cool thing about art and music is like, it's really what you produce at the end yeah. of the day. It's not how the decibel and like all that stuff, like it helps for sure the technical background, but I think if you have an ear for it, you can totally dive in. Yeah. You could leave that stuff to the, the professionals um <laughs> you, but i think in order to get there you have to consume enough material like you have to consume enough art listen to enough things to know sort of where you belong in the spectrum so you can now explain it to the people who are professionals at the decibels and the logic right the language the and language. it was great because you have music background but it is true like maybe i don't have at the time like the technical skills like writtenly like language wise yeah. but i consumed a lot of different music and videos and kind of learned just the history by seeing and then you can really break rules like if you know if you listen to the country and then rap and then hip-hop you know the history of it you can make a song that blends it together yeah. into your sound so yeah i, I agree 100 percent since we're here, we're, I'm just going to get into it. Your, your first, uh, I don't know if it's an, an entire album, but your, it, it feels like the, the first part of your journey in music uh, was very different from what is currently being released right now. Is that right? Uh, yes, totally. 100%. Because we're when talking I... about musical styles and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, let's just get into that. I mean, I, I have so much more questions about photography and, you know, all of that. But since we're here, I, I want to know uh, about that. The natural segue. Yeah. So when I first made my EP that is already out in the world, it's like seven songs. I had no resources 
because I also wasn't a musician at that time in my mentality. I was 100% visual as a photographer. So my muscle of singing and writing was not where it is now. So at the time, because I was a start, I was starting out, no one knew I was a musician. I just reached out to anybody from art school, like, hey, I'm trying to sing. I've written some songs, like, you're a producer, let's get in. And wow. when, so when you have low resources too, you don't really think about picking and choosing, like, ah, oh, this is going to be my reveal. It's more of like, all right, these go together. All right, this looks good. This sounds good. I noticed these seven songs revolve around this topic. There's my EP. And, you know, because I had a visual background before I even wanted to release music, I showed my friends my songs and they said, like, what are you going to do with it? And I just said, nothing, nothing. I'm not going to, I'm just showing you. And they're like, well, that's stupid. Sing, try it. And I, and I sat on it for a while, which is my first song ever, Birds. You'll see, you can find it on Spotify. I was like, okay, but if we do it, because I, you know, I'm a photographer. I've seen how my artists would brand themselves and how I help do their content. Like, I can't just throw a song out. I have to have good photos. I have to have good video. And so we basically curated based on just watching how my artists that I would help brand do it and created this rollout. And from there, <clears throat> as you can see, it's really scrappy. This, the mixing and the mastering for some people who are really technical can see the inconsistency. But it was at the perfect time because Spotify was lo-fi bedroom pop. So it was like, great. It's, I'm just indie because I am indie. I'm literally yep. making music in my bedroom. Um, so it's very different now because thankfully from the universe or just because I was just throwing stuff out there, I put one or two songs out on this Facebook page called Asian Hustle Network. You probably know it. I was like, hey, guys, I am Vietnamese. I wrote this song. I made my whole video with all my friends. Give it a listen. And my manager happened to scroll that day and found it. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Isn't that crazy? But like, if I didn't post that, I don't even that know crazy. what would become of this next journey. And the funnier part is he's not Asian, too. But he has quite a long history in the Asian entertainment world. So he was already on that Facebook group. And he just saw, well, what he what drew him to me was really like, wow, usually when I work with artists, I have to get them photos, I have to get them videos. But this girl just like kind of put it together and he reached out and I was like, I don't know what this is. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're skeptical because you're starting out. You're like, ah, I don't, what's a manager? And then I gave it a shot. And yeah, I mean, it's been two years now and we're the best of friends. Um, so the difference between that time and now is I have a team, you know, like he helped guide me, which is what managers do. It's like, <clears throat> look, here's what you did. And it's beautiful. Let's build your story. Who are you? How can we kind of elevate you to see? Because you, you and I see yourself as a star, but the world needs to see it. And that takes a lot of hard work to get people to believe in you, right? <clears throat> so we have a new polished sound. It's more consistent. The same people. Um, branding is different. I 
you know, I, I, because I want to do this, I also put money in like my, my heart and soul and everything. So I'm like, okay, well, before it was like the mixing and mastering is like whatever, but I got to throw in a couple hundred bucks more to get it to not whatever. Or, you know, before when I would go on a set and style myself, because, you know, I was had only resources I had. I was like, I have Amazon, some clothes. Now it's like, if you want to do it right, you got to do it right. Get a stylist and why, you know, the whole shebang. So I think the difference is really just, you know, being more polished and an elevated version of what I wanted to be at that time. This is um amazing story because it is, you know, things that people don't see it, being captured right now in the early stages. Um, hearing the story of, of what you're going through right now is beautiful because I know um, as somebody uh, you, as somebody who is um, it sounds like you're very uh, you're self-starter. That's what it is. You're self-starter. So artists who are self-starters much further because um, mm. like your manager said there's not much that he needs to push you 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 have these skills and you have these ways of getting the assets to Thank him you. yeah so all you need to do now is to keep doing what you do and you just build you know year after year year after year you just keep grinding out the work and the, the music now that all being said though um do you um, do you think about the trajectory? Like, do you think like, this is where I want to be in five years, you know, or do you kind of just go with what your heart tells you? Like, I'm just going to kind of wing it and do the best I can moment to moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think when I first started out, it was kind of like that because I had no choice. It was, I had no manager, I had nobody no PR team, no whatever. So it was like, all right, I got to put it out and just see what happens. Because when you're starting to, I mean, from zero at that time, it's like, if I put it out, no one likes it and there's no feedback, I have to maneuver my, my decisions. Now we have kind of feedback and we performed and we built a great solid foundation. We have to think business wise. Well, you should as an artist, at least. And so my manager and I think about, okay, well, we how do we fast track this? How do we make yeah. really intentional moves? Because if I was from a rich background, privileged background, I have time, you know, I have the freedom to do that, but I don't. And so, of course, I would love to like take all the time in the world and really write and like, try and make mistakes but i just we you know people like us like we can't afford that like yeah. this is our time and that's what my first single is like is called is like i can't afford to wait because this is the time for asian americans this is my time to make music i'm young i have the freedom to be young and like youthful and to to try new things so i, I just gotta do it now and correctly and intentional Obviously, it doesn't always plan out the way you intend it to be. You know, life doesn't do that. And I, I understand that. But the you, the more you put in, the better odds you have is my yeah. takeaway, right? Now, when your manager says, uh, we have to fast track this, 
So what's the difference between fast tracking it and not fast tracking it? Like what uh, are the, what, what are you mm. giving up in the, in the journey of fast tracking versus if you were to do it uh, in a much more uh, slowed down, deliberate version. So, uh, you know, there's a fast track and you gotta like, you know, you, you, you set goals and you just go for it. And along the way you have to make compromises versus what is the other way to do it? Yeah, I mean, that's a very, the word fast track is sort of conceptual because you're right. What does that mean? I think for him and I, it's how can we make really good use of every opportunity, you know? So for instance, if I have an opportunity to sing, you show up the way you want to be presented. Like you, you get the band together, you get your music together, you get your your performance together, but then it doesn't stop there, right? After that to quote unquote fast track it and to really make use of this opportunity, you have to think of the after effects, share it, post it, do whatever you can, go to many places you can and like, don't make that one moment just the moment because, mm. you know, I, and I, there's, a, there's a really popular quote recently that Tyler, the creator have said is he's like, everybody's just posting on their story once about their music and that's it. And it's like, I've been promoting my same album that's been out for two years because it there is a chance to always grow legs from an opportunity, right? Like you don't want to just, oh, okay, your heart and soul and he's on, on one story. Like, Who, who are so, you talking about? Who, who oh, is that? Tyler, the creator. Who, who, a, who is that? Oh yeah, he's a really well-known rapper right now. And, but he has that like grassroots spirit because he, he came up kind of similarly right he just made music and it, it started to do well and growing it organically but he said you know like even though i'm here where i want to be i'm not gonna just take that for granted like i just gotta push every song and video as if it's like my newborn child i'm gonna put it in your face everywhere wow. <laughs> so there, there's this yeah. other tiktok singer uh a young guy um and i noticed that this guy has a really good song. I can't remember the name and, and who he is, but there's this really good song. And then it like went viral on a wedding video or something like that. Oh. And then, and then he just repurposes that same song everywhere <laughs> he goes and he plays it on the street. He does everything with that one song. It's a good song. It's a catchy song, but I've seen him repurpose at least 30 videos with that one song. So you're right. And it never gets old for some reason. <laughs> he never gets old because you know that he's doing his job, right? And his job is to get, you're, you're right, to use the one moment and repurpose it over and over and over and put it everywhere. Um, that's some great advice because I think I'm going to take that. I, I have like almost 200 episodes and I just, yeah. I should just get on, you know, I have a TikTok account. It's like 11,000 followers, but I could probably grow it much more aggressively if I, cut up all the 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 episodes the yeah great moments. all of the great moments yeah but it takes you know, time it, it takes does take time time yeah it takes a it lot takes of time a lot of time but we and live in such a good day and age where we can do this stuff and not have to pay an arm and a leg we can get through and and get popular as a result like doja cat or you know etc yeah you know it's you're right right this is the time and age to do it and I, I just you you're something you said brought me to a tangent was when I first started out with my EP, I was working with like 
<clears throat> a friend who had a, an indie label that was kind of helping me. And he, you know, we were working on music and when we released it, it didn't do as well as we thought in the beginning, right? Because, you know, you're starting out. And he said to me, don't worry, right? Everyone, you know, you can chase a trend, you can chase a viral moment, but a, a good song is timeless, right? So let time do its thing too. Wow. And my manager says this, I always said, it's like, this song will grow legs. And it does. Like, for instance, if you forget about a song and you consider it a fail or a flop, then no one's going to listen to it. But if you consider it as a, you know, we'll nurture this song and repurpose it when it's time. And for instance, my first song, Birds, I wrote that, wow, like five, six years ago. And now someone discovered it again and was like, I want to put it in a television show. Wow. You know? And it's it just tells you also, like, don't give up just because the results aren't what you see it is. But also that could be said as like younger as me, right? Like just because no one believes in me at the time. And, you know, you get a lot of no's. You get cold emails, people who are like, I don't really see your star quality. I don't really see that you can be a musician. And, but that's not you forever. Totally. That's the beauty of it. The person on set that's a PA will one day be a director, you know? Um, and I'm sure you have so many people on these podcasts that, might feel like okay well i'm starting out now and then you see them in the trajectory and it's like well they blossom it just takes time yeah so yeah i i just love that phrase like just everything can have its time to grow its legs and and another exercise that i do is i have like a i call it a prayer but it's not a prayer but it's a thank you a gratitude prayer mm. i just have kept a running tab in one of my you know my notes in my iphone on the things that i feel like i've been given right and then i just try to read it every day twice a day and read it out loud to be in gratitude because when you're in gratitude it feels like you have everything you know right and i yeah. say stupid shit like i thank the universe for free platforms like youtube facebook yeah. IG, TikTok, they're all free. And one day they might charge and they, you know, Facebook does charge to advertise. But for the most part, these are free platforms that we have to be used at our disposal. I have the support of my family. I have the support of very close friends that support this podcast and introduce me. And so I just write this prayer of gratitude down. And now I'm up to like maybe 20 bullet points that allows me to read through it mm -hmm. daily. And that's what nurtures me and that's what gets me uh I love that. immune to the, the 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 times that uh that 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 are dark and you're just doubting yourself but you're right we're never the same if we keep going it just keeps piling on and quality and it just kind of gets better begets quality begets quality it just you just get better at what you do yeah consistency yeah and i love what you said about that too because you know in the grand scheme of things, not necessarily you or me specifically, it's like, you, you get to be an artist. You get to share your story. You know, of course we have all really tragic circumstances and whatnot, but also we're in America too, at a day and age where we can, I can have a Zoom call and talk about art, you know? Like, totally. And I can just, you know, even if 
that's all that happens today or tomorrow or the rest of my life. It's like, you know what? That we're pretty blessed. Yeah. This is great. This is great. Very blessed generation. I feel particularly lucky myself because I get to be in the presence of Vietnamese greatness all the time, all day long. I'm around it. I'm whether I'm editing or I'm sitting and doing an actual interview. It's just and and another thing, it's like getting to see the early stages of an artist like you uh, is fulfilling because whether you continue or you don't, I get to see the inner workings of somebody at their craft. And that is so vital to future generations that are going to be uh, pursuing even not nine to five that they really need the energy and they need the motivation. They can hear Dolly Av and Kenneth Wynn talking and little bits and pieces can kind of like um, help inspire their work, whether it's like, you know, in the arts or not. And I love this work so much. Oh, yeah. And, you know, of course, it's probably always weird to get interviewer. We compliments but you know you're providing a platform for us you know it's like it's so just, so i'm so thankful because without your platform too like we're we're, we're given a voice you know so th just thank you for having you're very welcome here. thank you for the mm -hmm. kind words yeah it's my pleasure really is my pleasure um what who are your inspirations uh let's first start with music inspirations uh who are they and then after that like i would love to hear uh going a little bit more broad uh who are your uh, inspirations in the art world sure so i am kind of a wild card i like a lot of random different things i top of my head is i love paul mccartney like he's 80 and i still go to his concerts from the beatles um fk twigs she's just experimental and does like really great sound production and then i really so love like those two are so different oh <laughs> yeah and and love... fk twigs is so different oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i got indie and you got kind of like experimental and i love adele she's somebody that helped me growing up mm. she's a soul yeah. to her and then vanessa carlton is more you know piano mechanic and then i go all the way back to like billy holiday and doris day and uh just I, I love it all. I really do love all sorts of music, but th those are like off your the top. top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Your top. Yeah. Great. It's, it's awesome. Um, I understand uh, the range that you're talking about because I think that um, between the first batch of songs that you did and the second batch, um, there is range. And, and you know, the irony is the, the first batch sounds like, what you would grow into and the second batch is sounds like you know it's a little bit more like um how would i say um it, it's it's not as uh for me complex as the first uh batch of, of songs the second one is a little bit more like uh, literally like a little bit more literal and the the first batch is just a little bit more ethereal a little bit more abstract to me and i, yeah, and I found sure. that a very interesting on the on the change of direction between the first and the second batch of, of songs that you did yeah i think what is really fun about albums is if you feel like you want to like for instance that last album was heartbreak 100 percent, all about heartbreak and depression and then this album's more upbeat for a festival i want to yeah. play it to a crowd and 
you know, I, I hear this all the time with artists when they change their sound up. They're like, why? Well, I was really, and I fell mm-hmm. in love with this sound. And then they're like, well, you have that album. If you <laughs> go yeah. back to that, and then you have this album for when you're ready for this album. So, no, I, I 100% agree in a sense too. Like, that was unfiltered, just whatever I felt as during Heartbreak. And then this album is it's a hopeful coming of age album and more leaning pop because I want an upbeat sound. So yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to see where you change in an album. Do you think uh, in the future you're going to try to maintain a particular style? Or are you open to experimenting and just kind of growing into whatever sound you, you feel? Man, that's a tough question. You know, I just, I have, I think at least the heart of everything that I've been putting out before and now is like meaningful, right? Like as long as the heart of where I am is there without the genre, I think that will stay the same. Cause I, you know, no, like I, I'm naturally not singing about certain topics. And so if certain topics come up later on it's probably not authentic to me so i think that's consistent yeah where does the name dolly av come from ah good question i made this name up when i was 13. Uh, it's actually a really cool story because okay 13 i was reading up about stage names and i read that jk rowling made jk rowling because they didn't want she didn't want like it to be like oh a girl wrote this book so maybe i don't want to read this and for me this is a a sad thing too but like my last name is vietnamese and it was kind of hard to pronounce because i was in missouri so i was like i need something easy a good stage name that rings like dolly avenue and also avenue is like different channels of pursuit if you want to put it in like a conceptual term. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm Dolly Avenue now. I'm 13, I'm Dolly Avenue. If people look at my name, they can read it, they can understand it. And, but I also wrote, changed my name because um, a fellow artist I was listening to at the time used to be called Tim Ferguson. So I'm 13 and I see this, I've been following this artist, indie artist for a while. And then he randomly changes his name to Tim Atlas. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So then I kind of followed suit. But the great story about that is years later, I would have a song with Tim Atlas on my Whoa. first EP. And I told him that. I was like, I backed your Kickstarter. I changed my name. I was 13 in Missouri. And we met on a film set. I took pictures for him. And then he found out I could sing. And then we wrote a song, which you can listen to it now. It's on Spotify, Occupied by Tim Atlas and Dolly Avenue. <laughs> that is so cool but where does dolly avenue come from like where where is it inspired from dolly is my official name that's my real name my parents wanted a name that would be memorable if i did something good and easy to say because i'm american and avenue honestly it, it was i was thinking of whatever would ring with dolly and I thought of Avenue and then, like I said, like I, co- I considered it like, oh, okay, different ways and pursuits and paths I could take. Yeah, because 
I, I was reading uh, an article or a write-up on you, and you know when writers quote uh, the singer, they'll quote, "Oh, Avenue said this," and I was like, "Whoa, that!" I thought Dolly Avenue was like a band or you know your or a stage name, but then when you see a writer quoting Avenue said, you know, you know mm. what I mean? It's like uh, if they say, you know, uh, Doctor Patrick Wynn, you know, and then they'll say, "Oh." Win says this about bypass surgeries, you know, then it's the last name, which is it's what the right Yeah, it's a last name. So I was like, oh, okay. And so I thought that was very interesting to, to read. Oh, Avenue said this. So it's like your last name now. Yeah, it is like a stage name, last name for me. And it's funny because people think that's my real name. So they'll be like, hi, Mrs. Avenue. And I'm like, <laughs> but it works, right? It works. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of singers, um, I wouldn't say a lot, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of singers don't write their own stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, being able to write your own stuff, uh, that is very powerful. Did you think of writing before singing or singing before writing, or did they happen concurrently? You have such great questions I've never thought about. <laughs> uh, I wrote, I wrote first, I, I did a I wrote poems when I was younger. Uh, I was very existential as a kid. So I would just write in my diary thoughts and then it would come into melody. Now, when I go in, it is still written first, but I would just go on the mic and just ad lib melodies and then write to it. So interesting that it changed. I don't, I wonder if it's because I was a photographer in the middle and it changed my thinking because when i was a kid i really sang a lot and then i was like ah i can't do this it's not for me and then i became very visual so yeah i'm not sure why it switched up but i started off writing poems i i have a uh an idea about uh people who sing and write and people who only sing my idea when i because i'm i'm thinking about it in real time right now when i'm talking to you so when i think about like singers right i feel like somebody like adele would have like vocal training consistent coaching all of that throughout her career because she the, she's a powerful singer and technically you can hear it um i feel lady gaga has that as well like that power in their voice um and I feel like Gaga has a lot of musical theory and background in, in her training. Um, but there are a lot of singer songwriters that have no training and they don't care about their vocals and they just go up and do it, right? They just, they're, they're gifted with expression. And sometimes it doesn't really matter how trained you are or how, how good you sound, as long as you can convey this emotion, mm -hmm. right? Where do you find yourself in all of that? <laughs> well, my natural <laughs> voice is not powerhouse strong. Like I'm kind of soft spoken as a voice. I mean, I can go there if I'm feeling like really upbeat in a song, but naturally I'm kind of like chill, laid back kind of vocal. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because you, you said earlier, like there, cause you, you have stage fright and you like, drank and medicated to try to fix that and you said like some people just have it and I feel like I didn't have it you know like I am one of those artists that like had to really work because I had to express myself you know 
And another person said something similar where, cause she does production for big artists. And she was like, you know, you have the Beyonce's of the world who just aren't, they got it right. And they're confident and they're just, and then you have the other artists that like, it's not, it doesn't come naturally to them, but they just work really hard. Yeah. And so I don't wake up like this is a I have stage fright. It was a process and I, learn to really express the way that I can see it in my head. And, you know, as I continue this journey, I, you know, I will take vocal classes and like refine just for health reasons. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The health reasons. I mean, if, if you don't properly train, uh, you're bringing up air in all kinds of wrong ways and it damages your voice over, <laughs> over time. True. Yeah, it does. It, your diaphragm. It really does. Like, for example, like Guns N' Roses, right? Axel, Axel Rose, all that screaming and yelling comes from a very technical, operatic. Yeah, his uh, coach. Really? Yeah, his coach, his his vocal coach. Uh, so he blew up uh, in the 90s, whatever. And then in late 90s, early 2000s, Gloria Bennett, she's a vocal coach in LA. I found her and she had like, platinum albums of Guns N' Roses and The Offspring and Kebmo, all these uh, uh, golden, um, the, 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 plaques. the the plaques, yeah, all over her studio. And she would tell me uh, people like Axl Rose and, and, you know, Dexter from The Offspring, the ability to shout the songs that they do all come from heavy technique, coming pulling from the diaphragm. So it was all like we only trained in operatic like arias like we w went through and so all that breathing technique you begin to understand wow. like not to get injured that healthy singing for three hours on stage if you want to go ha if you want to go nuts it's like you have to condition for it yeah it's a it's a muscle and it's it's like an being an athlete the it more really you is. work out in your core like you got to be a stronger performer yeah but do you do you work on the vocal side a lot or do you focus more on production and writing i have been just because that's my goal um but i would say i'm naturally better at just focusing on the craft part of it than the health part of it i think mostly because there's so much to think about when you're an independent artist right now like, i'm independent i'm not signed or anything so I, there's only so much sleep I can <laughs> a lot yeah. in time, but yes, I I'm doing both. But naturally, I'm trying to finish, you know, writing, and it takes a lot of time. Do you care to be signed? Uh, no, I don't think so. I I feel like there's been a lot of benefit to not being signed yeah. right now. However, I used to take pictures for, you know, major label artists, and man they have the machine behind them so it's a it, you know it, it's just it, they're both good in their own way i don't think right now i want it yet yeah there's so much pros and cons right you want the machine behind you so you have to give up a lot and then there's a, that's a big gamble but if you do it yourself and you just have the grit and determination and passion to get to where you where your goals are set then that's i think a better place to be right uh, yeah i mean at the end of the day it's really what does the deal say <laughs> yeah you know like great 
XYZ wants to sign you, but are you signing your soul? Then I don't know. It's not really worth it. So it's what the paper says. Yeah, no, it's very For true. Me. Now, um, speaking of which, uh, do, are there stages that you want? And I mean, literal stages like Coachella or 99 oh. or 88 Rise, you know, are there stages that that you dream of, of singing on? Yeah, I would say Lollapalooza, just because I'm from Chicago, like that's my home city because of art school. That's just, that's my top. I don't really have another stage. I guess it's like, okay, great. Uh, I mean, Coachella would be cool. Um, I foresee like Head in the Clouds, of course. Head in the Clouds, yep, definitely. Because, you know, the, the foundation, so. Have you been? I, mean, I have not been. I think I'm going this weekend. Yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, it's all great. Like any festival. Oh, Pitchfork. Pitchfork and Lollapalooza would be like my top. Is Pitchfork country? Pitchfork is like indie. Underground indie. I yeah. mean, it, it can it can be country. They, they bring like pop rock, punk acts sometimes too. Okay, so then let me ask you a reverse engineering question. Let's say 88 Rising, right? Okay, yeah. If you were to reverse engineer the process, how, how does the singer get to that stage? Get to the stage of their, like, their big stage or just get to their festival? Oh, good question. Big stage. What do you have to do to get there? As an indie, like, no labels or nothing. You just, you're doing your thing. Mm -hmm. And what does it take to get to a stage and that's not not a giant stage but that's a pretty big there's, there's a visibility there right what does it take yeah i'm just for people listening i don't know their process <laughs> um i think obviously to be consistent and find visibility but i think it's your story you know i think every person i mean of course there's other bigger factors outside of the artist, right? Like who you know and like right place, right time. Like that I can't control. But I think if you have a really solid story and your music coincides with it and you have the experience of credibility to show that, I think then you go on the stage, you know? And that's kind of like this journey, right? Like before I had... <clears throat> When I was making the first album, you know, everybody wants to be written about in certain articles and you want the prestige of this, but I wasn't ready. And I'm glad that I can see it now. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really, I just wasn't ready and I needed to develop. And there's a thing called artist development. Now that we built our story and have done some really great things, right? Like radio play, We've done our, our festivals, we've performed, um, have the right collaborators and credits. Like, you know, anybody would be more confident to be like, okay, you put the work in and I see your growth. Um, but that's the difference between the machine though, right? Because the machine label system will be like, here's it is, here you put your put it in a yeah. box, you go, you want to stage your first show is your the biggest stage ever. So, you know, 
But I also imagine the apparatus has the, these numerical formulas attached to it. Like, this is how you're going to reach this number. This number will provide that number. Mm. That number will take you to that stage and yada, yada, yada. In order to get to each of these sort of milestones, it's like the machine will get you to the milestones. And I'm wondering, as an indie mm. artist, is the machine that you create in your own teams putting out milestones that you have to achieve? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great, like, visual. Yes, we, whether you're a machine or an indie artist, like, the milestones will determine those milestones yeah. of stages naturally, you know? So, and, I, and I've seen it, like, they'll, they'll discover an artist in the major label system, put them on a track with, like, Justin Bieber, first track ever, get them a stylist, open for Beyonce, and there he Boom. goes. You know, which is, you know, it's almost like it can scare you a little bit because you're like, this is what we're all up against. This machine, this man-made machine or the, the resources, the power, the money. And then then you bring it back to the music and you're like, yeah, that is awesome. And I wish whoever in that position the best. But let's let's be grateful. What, what am I achieving? And at the end of the day, it's who am I reaching with my music? You know? Yeah, and I also believe, though, like what you just described is a bunch of people who are at the top, who've been at, in the game 25, 30 years, calling each other and let, they call each other up and they're like, I got this, there's a new person, Dolly Aff, you know, you got to get her on the Beyonce tr track or Justin Bieber track or whatever. And then we're going to put her in this video. We're going to do the styling. And I, I just imagine it's a bunch of guys and gals that are networked up. And they've been around each other for 20 years or whatever and they just make phone calls to each other and then they just put you and position you and then two years later the rest is history i think it's that easy sometimes when you've done the work for like you've been in trenches for eight ten years right then you get plucked out and you thrown in the machine and everything starts to happen yeah you know even the way you described it without the big names that is kind of what an artist has to do Oh shit, Dolly just performed at yep. whatever. I like that. Let's let's test it. So it's really how you look at it, but it's the same thing, right? It's really the same thing. Like these milestones determine who's watching you. And that's why you perform even like a one 10 person show. Like it's your only opportunity to perform, which is why we call it fast tracking, right? Because yeah, maybe. It's 10 people in the crowd, but you don't know that there's an A&R there yeah. who will help you. Or any event you come to, you don't want to be off your game. You want to just present yourself and be ready and do meet people. So really interesting industry. <laughs> it is. There's no it code. There's no code. And and film is the same way. Film is sort of like, you know, you sit, I, I'm in all these meetings with these producers and I get to hear, you know, how people are selected. Writers are selected, directors are selected, oh, yeah. actors, they're selected in a way that like, you know, all of these people know each other for, all these producers know each other for decades and they just sort of go, you know what, that person works for this. And then they just start making calls and getting managers involved and bringing certain talent over to certain projects. And it's a shuffle and something pops off and it just starts to happen for that. Uh, but it requires the artist to show up. Mm. Yeah.
that, that's good. Like preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And also sometimes it is just luck. Like, you know, when I was a photographer, it's pretty funny at the same time, but the only opportunities that like had changed my trajectory as a photographer were like Women's History Month or Asian American Month. Cause like that was the window where people were like, oh, uh, you, I forgot about you. Mm. But because of that little window of opportunity and chance, cause it happened to work with my gender and my situation, I got an opportunity to shoot and do these things. So, you know, sometimes it lands in your pocket randomly or like the person who's supposed to have your job like is sick. So you yeah. replace them and it's like, Oh, I'm working on this big project now. And you're not, you know, it's just luck or like free, free. Like that's another thing. Exposure, you know, as an artist, like sometimes the free thing you did is the thing that really helped you. So I don't know. It's all chance. And like, <laughs> there's no, it's just yeah. go around in circle, drive yourself the, crazy. The landscape changes fast. Um, what does success look like to you in a few years? You know, I, I bring it brings it back to what you were saying where you sit down and you're just like, oh, I have my health, my, my, I'm eating well, I've got good people. And, you know, we don't have to go super deep into that segue, but why I wrote this album was because my mom passed. And it was during the pandemic. So she had cancer. It was rare in stage four, really... Uh, abrupt and then she passed during like the time of pause right and this is when I was like oh maybe I should do something I really love which is music but I because I can't even take pictures right now COVID is scary like no one wants to take pictures right now and it just made me think like wow I what she said to me as an immigrant from Vietnam working her butt off didn't really get to pursue her dreams she well, as she was dying she was just like I regret so much in my life. I wish I had traveled. It's traveling. You know, I, I kept, we, everyone asks her, like, what is the first thing you'll do when you get healthy? And she goes, just to be healthy. You know, isn't that like, it, it hurts you, but then you're just like, that's my sign. Like, I can't wait tomorrow or when I'm healthy or when I'm have money. Like, so if you ask me what success is, I think success is, look, I, I'm trying and I'm doing it. And that means that I lived my life the way that I wanted to, you know? So I am successful in my own way. Yeah. Right? Love the answer. Yeah. I'm going to look you. back in two years and look at this interview and I'll go, what a dumb question that I asked. You know? <laughs> because, and here's why. <laughs> It's such a wise answer and a very thoughtful answer. And as I'm sitting here listening to myself in the future, I'm going, oh my God, it's such a smart answer. But like, that's, of course, it's like health and, and, and where you go and being able to do what you're doing is, I'm like, I could have used that time to ask another question because that is like the most <laughs> time uh, classic thought of a human if you're like in the moment right now you you say i'm i'm successful now because i'm doing the things that i want and i'm healthy and i have a chance to do it and that's why i'm like mm -hmm. that's a foolish uh question from from my point but 
and I ask that from my own lack of success in my insecure mind sometimes, right? Like mm. that's why I wrote the question down um, is because, you know, I live with insecurity about success and, you know, numbers and all of that. And so um, that's what I'm saying. Two years from now, we'll probably be in very different places and your next album will go, you'll be touring. And then I'll look back on this interview and go like, oh my God, that was such an elementary thing to ask at the time uh, because she is successful, that you're doing the thing that you want and you have a team behind you. You just released uh, an album and, and, and new music. What more does success need to look at look like to us? That's why I'm ashamed of that, but you know. I, oh I, no, you yeah. know, it's great because whoever listens to this can just sit and be like, okay, I don't feel bad. You know, like I shouldn't feel bad. I mean, like reassess what that looks like. And I, I'm like you too, right? Like, it's not just Kenneth, right? We all are like, mm -hmm. oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. And then you're just like, no, let's stop thinking like that. How about I'm, I'm happy with my process? And like we said, things will grow legs. Like this is my time and my journey. Yeah. And this is, this is what it's going to look like. Have you been to Vietnam? I have. I used to go pretty often, like every year. I stopped in the pandemic, like literally January and then the lockdown hit was the last time. I'm planning to go in December. What? Why did you go so often before? My mom really insisted on it. I didn't understand it wow. until now. She was like, you have to go. And you know, she it's a lot of money to bring kids there. She was like saving up her money and we'd go and... When you're younger, you're kind of like ungrateful a little bit. You're just like, ah, oh, long flight. And now I'm like, she's trying to keep this culture alive, mm. you know? She's trying to feed me Vietnamese food. And thank God, because even though she passed, like, I have my culture and that's her, you know? So that's why. And so now I, I go on my own too, because I, I'm also seeking my identity as I'm learning about myself. Where did she take you in Vietnam? Everywhere, it took me like Hui and uh, you know Saigon and like Vung Tao and everywhere, every the countryside to like the city, uh, you know, like countryside where you're like no water, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So all over, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, nowadays, do you, are you close with your father? No. <laughs> That's another episode. Um, you know, I think when you grow up, you realize you choose what benefits your life. You know, like family, technically, you, you don't get to choose it, but you can. You choose your chosen family. And for me, it just didn't, it just didn't uh, work with my life anymore. Yeah. You know, um, before we started the episode, I had asked you if anything was off limits and you said, no, you're like anything goes. So I, I'm very grateful that you, you know, you answer these questions because I, these aren't questions I can ask people every day, or, you know, there has to be a platform for this kind of like openness. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate the time that you've spent with me and how open you are. And I look forward to, uh, this success of this current album in real time. I look forward to it. I look forward to hearing and running into you in LA and you know, you've, you've made it, you, you, you have made it to LA and you've put out music. And so I am so, um, I'm so proud of you to hear your story and to be on this, uh, you know, uh, episode. It, it's just so amazing to hear you share this story. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing for, you know, different people and creating this platform and also asking such great questions too. I mean, a lot of people think that's such an easy thing to do, but to research and to like think of really profound questions, like it, it's, it makes the experience so much more meaningful. So thank you for being such a great host. Oh, thank you so much. And we will definitely be talking soon. Thank you, Dolly. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trinh. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts.